you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you all this morning. I know that uh, I would hope, I don't know, but I would hope the majority of you are excited and glad to be here this morning. And even if you're not, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you've taken the opportunity to give God this time and this moment during your day. I know that um, it's good to look around and, and see uh, familiar faces that we have maybe not seen in a while, and, and to have you maybe back with us for, for the first time in a while. It's, it is uh, something we're going to talk about here in just a little while, but it is good to be with family on days like today. Uh, if you will, before we get into our lesson, uh, let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to dive into some study time together. God, we thank you so much for being in this room with us today. We pray that your spirit fills our hearts and our souls and our minds, God, as we open up uh, your word and we study uh, from it this morning. May we make it our goal to grow closer to you today. May we make it our goal to be more like you and to be pure of heart and spirit. We just thank you so much for the life of Jesus as we've been studying it and listening to just his words and trying to figure out what those words means for us. And today, God, as we talk about do not be troubled and do not be afraid, help us to just relinquish our fears to you, to turn over the things that trouble us in our life and just, just live a peaceful life, God. We know that you understand that. We know that you feel that. We know that, um, we know that your son in particular is familiar with all of those feelings. Help us to be like him in every way. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, hold them up. In any shape, form, or fashion, if you have your Bibles, hold them up. And as you have them held up, turn to the book of Mark. We're going to continue with this idea uh, that we've been talking about. He said what? Uh, listening to the words of Jesus. And from this particular lesson today, the idea of take courage, don't be afraid. So Mark, <coughs> Mark chapter 6. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking at. So as before we kind of get into our actual text, we'll kind of preface what's going on um, with the story beforehand. The story, we're familiar with both of these stories, I believe, in many ways. Uh, but beforehand, Jesus takes a moment and performs one of his greatest miracles, one of his most famous uh, miracles that we read about in Scripture where he feeds um, 5,000. And there's a couple of times that we see Jesus feeding Groups of people uh, of this size. But, but think about that for a second. Just think about that for a second. Think about the magnitude of this moment. Think about the magnitude of this moment of Jesus taking very little and turning it into a feast that fed this many people. That fed this many people. A, a crowd of of 5,000 or more as you read from this passage. But I want you to look at verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. I think about that number 5,000 and I think about our community. And I think that, you know, our, our community is actually the city of Haleville itself. Is, is a smaller group of people 
then Jesus fed that day. Think about that. that that's, that's, a, that's a crazy kind of thing to think about, that that number of the people that live in the city limits of our town here, if you live here, is smaller than the amount of people that Jesus fed that day. And, and, and of all the things that Jesus did in this moment, I think for me, for Matthew, maybe one of the most amazing things about Jesus comes in verse 34, where it says, when he saw them, he had what? Compassion. Repeat that word. He had compassion. And that challenges me because when I go out and I'm at Walmart and when I'm at the little Leo's pageant yesterday and when I'm at the different places that my, my life and my job and my, um, my kids and you know everything takes me, when I look at people in this community and when you look at people in this community, do you look at them with the same heart and compassion as Jesus? Do you? Do you look at them with the same heart and compassion as Jesus? Because they were lost. He said they were like a sh- like sheep without a shepherd. It was it was so uh, cute yesterday. I guess that's the right word. These uh, these girls in in Britain's um, these girls in Britain's age group in, in this little Miss Leo's pageant, and they're they're like two years old to four years old. And you all know my my my. Third child there, she is full of personality. You know, she, she when when God made her, he went ta-da, like that's 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 who she is. All these little girls, though, when they got on that stage, that age group, when they got on that stage yesterday, they were all like this. Like, what do I do next? You know, and it was just like they were, I told Blair, I said, they all just seem lost up there because. You know, there's, there's not the comfort of mom and dad. All these people are looking at me. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to go left or right or turn or flip or what I'm supposed to do. And they're just kind of like, okay, I'm just not going to do anything. And, and, and a lot of times when we would look in our society, that's what Jesus saw. Jesus saw just a lot of people just lost, not having any direction in their life. Not, not just from the spiritual aspect, but just that idea of they have no direction. They have no purpose. And, and he looks at them and he has compassion on them. And I believe of all the things that we talk about today, that's one of the most important things we need to realize about Jesus that needs to become who we are is when we see people who are lost, we need to have what? Compassion. Because if we don't have compassion, then guess what that means? That means we don't care. We don't care that they're lost. We don't care that they need anything. We don't care that they go without. We don't care that Jesus is not part of their life. And not only in this story does he feed them in a way that, that feeds their, um, their spirit, if you will. As the story goes on, he also feeds their body and he feeds their physical need. And God in the flesh here just takes care of everything that needs to be taken care of. And so he feeds them and he goes on uh, and, and, and the story kind of continues. So we pick up in our story in verse uh, 45, I believe this. Let me grab my, grab my clicker right here. In verse 45, and we begin to read our actual text from, from the story. So we start out here and follow with me. And your Bibles are up here, whichever one works for you. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsidia, uh, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. This is an amazing thing about Jesus, and we're gonna come back to it, but remember this. He went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was all alone on land. 
Jesus earned this moment alone. Uh, that, that phrase is so quick, and he was alone on land. But what had he just got finished doing? He had just got through ministering to a group of 5,000 plus people. 5,000. Do you think he was tired? Do you think he was exhausted? Do you think he was drained? Do you think he was emotionally spent? Absolutely. And he just took some time, and he, he just was, he was alone for a little while. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. Again, when you just read it, like you just read past that, and we've known the story, and we've read the story so many times, but that's a crazy thing. Jesus just went out walking on the water. Anybody else ever tried that? Anybody else ever tried? Just Jesus, like it was nothing. That's, that's the God we serve. It was nothing for him just walk on the water. And not just walk on the water. What does the last phrase there say? He was about to what? Just walk right by him. Just walk right by him. But when, he saw, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. That's a pretty good guess, right? Because up to this point, how many people had the apostles ever seen walk on water? Same amount you have, right? Same amount you have. And so what was their first thought? How many of you have ever seen a ghost? I'm just curious. I'm not, that's not a, that's not a trick question. Some of you are like, ghosts aren't real. How many of you have ever seen a ghost? None of you? Okay. Here's my ghost story. You ready for my ghost story? I was in the building in Arkansas all by myself. And I'm in my office and it's a Wednesday night. Blair and we just had the two kids at the time. They had gone back to her dad's house in Tennessee for a few days. And I had to work the first part of the week. I had to work for, well, I had to work from Wednesday to Sunday. Then Sunday, I was going to join them. Um, so I'm in this building all by myself. There is nothing scarier than an empty church building at night all by yourself. Nothing. Not a single place in the world is scarier than an empty church building by yourself at night. And so I'm in here, everybody's left and going home, and I have my door open in my office, and I hear from a distance, Lane, Lane. And we had this boy in church named Lane, and I thought maybe they had left him and they had come back looking for him. So I walked throughout the whole building. There's not a single person in the building. So I go back to my office and I shut my door. And if it's a ghost, I'm not really sure what good that was going to do, but I shut my door. I sat there about 10 more minutes and I hear it again. Lane, Lane. I don't believe in ghosts, but I was not gonna stick around to test my theory. I imagine they felt the same way. Like there's no other explanation for what's going on, but they were having this moment of, I don't know what it could be, but it's something I cannot explain. And so what did they do? They cried out because they saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. If there was ever a moment that Jesus could have messed with his disciples, this could have been that moment, right? But he didn't. He just says, hey, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And, and then, I love this, the personalness of this story. Then he climbed in the boat with them. Then he climbed in the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely what? Amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed and anchored there. Okay, that's, that gets us through this text that we're going to talk about. Let's, let's see, where do we want to kind of stop it for the moment? We'll stop it right there for a moment. 
All right. I want to ask you this question this morning, and, and I'm, I'm using this kind of text as a launching point into kind of our own lives. How many of you have had moments in your lives where these challenges have engulfed you and you were afraid? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever had these moments in your life where challenges have engulfed you and you are afraid and you're looking at the storm that's coming up around you and, and, and you see things, but you're not sure what they are. You can't really make out the future, if you will. It looks cloudy. It looks muddy. You know that there's something in front of you that you're going to have to face, that you're going to have to endure. Or, or maybe you're just at the point to where the waves have just knocked you down flat in the boat anyway. We went rafting one time and you've never met my friend, Jeremy. Me, but I've got a friend, Jeremy Murphy, and Jeremy's like 6'5". Uh, and we're in these white water rafts uh, going down the Okoe River. And uh, we went down this like one rapid, it like popped down and popped back up and then turned. And Jeremy goes, well, Jeremy and I, were in the front together. And it was like one of the biggest rapids we were going to go through. And Jeremy goes, whoo, I made it. And as soon as he said that, this wave came from behind him and went whop and knocked him out of the boat. You ever felt that way? You're like, I have, I made it. But then you're not expecting it and it just smacks you out of the boat. Now, the best part of that story is trying to pull a six foot five guy back into a boat. You pull him from one side to the other and there's still three feet of him hanging out of the boat. But we have these moments in our life and we're scared and we're upset. And James says, and this is, man, this is the challenging part of this. James says, when you face trials, when you face trials, to what? Be upset about them? To wallow in them? And this word for trials, you've heard me say it, it's like you're coming along and somebody just throws something at you, okay? Someone like, it just, it's like that wave that just hits you, that's a trial. He says, consider it pure, say that again, consider it pure, Joy. Say it one more time, everybody. Consider it pure when you face trials of every kind. We could spend all day talking about how that absolutely makes zero sense according to the what? According to the world, right? It makes zero sense. But you see, Scripture has this guy named Jesus and Jesus comes up to us when we're facing these moments that the world says, you know, hey, you, you shouldn't be happy. You shouldn't be glad. Jesus comes up. And what does he say? He says, have courage. It is I. Do not be what? Afraid. I don't know what your circumstances are this morning. Maybe your circumstances as you walk in the room this morning are of comfortableness, okay? Maybe you're going through a season of blessing this morning. And for that, I praise God and I thank God. We all go through seasons of blessings. And raise your hand if seasons of blessings are your favorite season. Raise your hand. Seasons of blessings are our favorite season, aren't they? Why? Because our needs are taken care of. Our needs are met. Everything is going, let's just put it this way. From our perspective, everything's going the way we want it to go, right? Going the way we want it to go. So we enjoy seasons of blessings. But maybe your season is a sad one this morning. Maybe your season is a season of out of control. Maybe your season is a season of uncertainty. Maybe it's a season of uncertainty. 
Peter, as he's writing in 1 Peter, he's, 1 Peter is a book that's really kind of talking about the persecution that the church is going to face as, as this Roman persecution really comes on hard. And, and, he, and he talks about trials in a lot of different ways, but one of the things that he says is he says, don't be surprised by them. And that's kind of paraphrasing what he's talking about. But he says, don't be surprised by the fiery trials, by the challenges in your life. We know they're coming. We know they're going to happen. The question is, when they do happen, how do we take the words of Jesus of take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. How do we take those and own those things and live those things? So that's that's what we're going to talk about for just a few moments. The first thing I want you to consider, the first thing I want you to consider is this idea that to really understand what Jesus is saying, you've got to understand who your Savior is. You've got to understand who your Savior is. This is one of my favorite passages describing Jesus, okay, because it's so personal and it's so right to the point. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, this is from Hebrews 4, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the face, to the faith that we possess. Now listen to this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Let's, let's, let's re- kind of remix and paraphrase this a little bit. Jesus knows what you're experiencing in life because he's lived it. Jesus knows what you've experienced in life because he's lived this life. Jesus understands the blessing, doesn't he? Jesus understands the blessings. Jesus understands... Uh, the, the, the times where things are great. Jesus understands the, 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 the great feeling, if you will, of sitting down with family and having meals together. He understands uh, family dynamics that may not always mix. Jesus' his own brother at one point thought he was crazy, okay? Uh, he didn't understand what Jesus was doing. His family struggled with, with his ministry. Jesus understands loss. Jesus had a best friend by the name of John. And when he found out that his best friend and cousin died, what does it say? Jesus what? He wept. When Lazarus died, Jesus wept. Jesus understands the pain and the hurt of loss. Jesus understands loneliness. Jesus said himself that I have nowhere to lay my head. Jesus understands loneliness. Jesus was in the garden praying. And even though he brought his apostles with him and his even three closest apostles up a little bit further with him, he went off by himself and he prayed. And when he came back, what was his his best friends? What were they doing? Sleeping. He was all alone. He understands loneliness, even to the point on the cross where he's struggling with that loneliness. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned? That's what forsake means, to turn your back on someone or something. Why have you turned You're back against me, God. He understands betrayal. He understands people that I thought were this type of friends, and they turn around and they say, 
I'm not going to do this with you anymore. I'm not going to be in this friendship with you anymore because I can't go where you're going. He understands that because Judas, a guy that he spent nearly every day with for three years and ministered with and, and ate with and laughed with and cried with, turned his back and said, I'm not going this way with you, Jesus. I want you to understand this morning that regardless of what you're dealing with, Jesus says, I understand. I get it. And you're not going to be alone. Because the end of our story, not the end of it, but the story that we just read, it says that, hey, Jesus was about to pass by, but then he noticed what? Why did he not pass by? Because he noticed they were doing what? Struggling that they were struggling against the oars, that they were trying to get to where they were going, but they were going against the wind and they were having problems. And so why did Jesus get in the boat with them? Because they were struggling. And he says, I'm here with you. And as soon as he got in the boat, what happens to everything going on around? It calms down. I want you to know this morning that Jesus says, I want to get in the boat with you. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you've got going on in your life. But if you're in this moment of challenge, if you're in this moment of struggle, if you're in this moment of uncertainty, if you're in this moment of feeling out of control, Jesus says, let me get in the boat. Let me get in the boat. And he's gonna climb in and and there will be a sense of peace. It doesn't mean that the challenge is gonna disappear, but there will be a sense of peace that comes over you in your life. We're gonna talk about that some more here just, just in just a few moments. So understand who your Savior is. That's the biggest part of this puzzle is understanding who Jesus is. And then the second thing is this. Have a plan to deal with the challenge. Have a plan to deal with the challenge. Um, Alabama is the only place in the country that has tornado season for six months out of the year. It's like always tornado season here in Alabama. Um, and that was a challenge for, for Blair when we first moved because Blair has like some, some storm anxiety because of some uh, tornadoes that she's been in. Anybody else have like tornado storm anxiety? A few of you? So supposed to have storms tomorrow, okay? We're supposed to have storms tomorrow. It's not supposed to be just too awful. We're supposed to have storms tomorrow. Um, I have learned over the last couple of years to love James Spann. Anybody else a James Spann fan? Um, What's James Fan's saying? Have a plan. He'll say this. It's going to be a bad day. We're going to get through it together, but have a plan. Have a safe place and have a plan. Have a safe place and have a plan. And the first time I heard that, I thought, man, that'll preach right there. And that's what we're talking about today. You think that, that's good, isn't it? James Spann, sermon, sermon inspiration. So, In our life, Peter says, understand that challenges are going to come. You're going to have difficulty. So the first thing we have to do in our walk with God is we have to be aware that there are challenges. There's things out there that I don't know what they are yet. I don't know what the challenge is going to be. But I can have a plan right now that helps me deal with each and every one of those challenges. And although we could have another three or four part series on what those plans need to be, I want to, I want to set you in the direction first and foremost, okay? It starts with prayer. 
Every plan has to start with prayer. We've been talking about in our, in our class on Wednesday night, as we've been talking about spiritual disciplines, that we're guilty a lot of times of doing this. This is my plan, God. I have come up with this plan. I've come up with this direction. I've come up with a solution. And then my prayer is this, God, will you please bless it? Bless what I am doing. Bless what I have come up with. Bless what I'm working on here, all right? And what's the problem with that? It makes us feel like we've involved God because we're praying to him about it. But Jake, are we involving God? Not at all. We're informing God. Now, how does informing God usually work? Usually not the best. What we need to do is we need to start with prayer. So we go to Philippians, and this is what happens. We've, we've talked about this verse together so many times. Neil, I appreciate you putting these color-coded slides in so I know where one stops and one starts. Do not be anxious about anything. See, when we try to make our own plans, it always leads to what? Anxiousness. But in every situation, here's the plan. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Oh, I didn't put the, other, the rest. But it goes on and it says, and the peace that surpasses what? All understanding will be yours. But where does it start? Our plan has to start with prayer. That's where it has to start. And I would even challenge you, this is something I've been thinking about over the past week, and, and I was talking to a preacher friend of mine that, that their church is gonna be doing this this week, and we've been talking about it and discussing it. And, but there's another part of prayer that we don't talk about a whole lot, and it's fasting. We don't talk about fasting in the church a whole lot. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because we just enjoy eating, okay? How many of you enjoy the idea of fasting? I mean, how many of you enjoy the idea of saying, I'm not going to eat? There's not um, many things that I enjoy more than eating something good. Just, I just look at me. I mean, I don't even have to tell you that. Okay, I've been losing a little bit of weight. Collins told me the other day, she goes, Dad, you're getting skinny. I go, honey, I'm less fat. There's a difference. But fasting puts us in a place where we no longer, we no longer rely on the physical, but we put our faith in the spiritual. So in your life, as you're approaching challenges and dealing with things, I, I, would, I, would, I would challenge you in a spiritual way to add that component into your, into your prayer life. And, and, and it can look different ways. It, it can be a fast that, um, that is, is a 24-hour fast where you're not eating anything, or, or it can be um, uh, the, the, the guy that I was talking with, he had actually just gotten back from a mission trip, and, and that particular church where they worked. Um, I don't remember where they went overseas, but um, every Wednesday they did a lunch fast. For some of you missing lunch will be a big deal. They do a lunch fast, and during that lunch time, during that part of the day as a church, no matter where they are, they just pray. It may be something like that, but prayer and fasting go hand in hand. And it's something we don't talk about a whole lot, but I think it takes our prayers to kind of that next level. It shows God we're a little more serious about this prayer thing than we were, than if we're just laying in bed, have our head on the pillow, and a lot of us pray this way, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've blessed us with. Thank you for, and you're gone, you're out. 
And you wake up at 2.30, you're like, oh, Christ's name, amen. Anybody been ever been guilty of that? Some of you are laughing because we all do it, you know, okay? So our plan has to start with our conversation with God and putting him in the middle of it. James talks about that too in a very powerful way. But the last thing I want you to think about is not just have a plan, but as James Spann says, have a place. Have a place to land when your world comes crashing down. Hebrews chapter 10 is full of so many great things. He's just come out of talking about understanding the power of the crucifixion and the death of Jesus and the blood that was shed. At the beginning of chapter 10, he says, therefore, you take all these things and do this because of all this stuff. Once you realize what God has done and Jesus has done, the Holy Spirit has done, therefore, now you understand that you need to do these things. And this is later on in the chapter. And he says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Both of these verses, there's a lot of things in in this chapter 10, but, but I love these two verses because it's all about encouraging each other. It's about encouraging each other. And there's no greater place to land. There's no safer place to land. There's no more important place to land when you are facing challenges in your life than in the arms of your brothers and sisters. In the arms of your brothers and sisters. It's not just about going to church, okay? What we call church. It's not just about being here, all right? That's a, that's a big part of it but it's about those relationships. It's about having that camaraderie. It's about having that unity. It's about having that support group in place that when I can't make it on my own, I know that I can walk into the midst of these people and they're gonna know that and notice it and see it. And they're gonna say, you don't have to do it alone. We're gonna do it for you. We're gonna do it with you. We're gonna do it right beside you. I don't understand how people walk through life and deal with things without this place, without a church family, without brothers and sisters who were there to spur them along and encourage them. And he says, look, don't give up meeting together. Don't give up being together. Don't give up on these relationships because you're gonna need them. And they're going to be so important to you. And you're not going to be able to make it without them. All right. I've been preaching for 30 minutes, so I guess it's time to stop. Unless y'all want to keep going. You might want to keep going. Like five of you. Appreciate that. Thanks. Y'all are hungry. I started talking about fasting. Now you're all wanting to get to 13 Grill. I know. Mexican, all these other good places. What are you struggling with today? What are you carrying? What'd you walk in here with this morning? What'd you walk in here with this morning that's, that's, clouding, that's clouding everything else? We, we talked in class Wednesday night about the difference in being troubled and having anxieties. And Jesus was in the garden. He was troubled. And, and he was overwhelmed. But then that same Philippians passage talks about not being anxious and, and the word anxiety in the Greek is, is the idea of one thing being out of place to the point that it clouds everything else. 
and peace. The word peace in that same section in Philippians means everything joined together perfectly. You probably want some of you. Some of you came in this morning and you've got anxiousness. You've got anxieties. You're letting this one thing cloud all the others. And you don't know why. You can't understand it. You can't explain it. But you know you're feeling it. Some of you find yourself in the same place as Jesus in the garden. Although he did not let it cloud everything, he was troubled. As, as the passage we read before communion, he was troubled to the point that his sweat was his blood. Jesus looks at you all this morning and he says, take courage, it is I, do not fear. And he's here to crawl in the boat with you today. Question is, are you gonna let him? Let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you for the time that we get to spend together in this room as family. Joined together through experiences, joined together uh, through mutual things that we just like and enjoy, but more importantly, God, join together through your spirit. Help us to always, when we're together, experience the unity of spirit that Paul talks about. And God, I pray for those that are they're, they're struggling at the oar this morning. They're struggling against the wind, against the rain, and help them know that you see them that you're there with them and you're crawling in the boat with them and let them have courage. Let them have your courage. Give them faith. Give them strength so that they won't be afraid. God, we thank you for those in this room that are experiencing blessings at this time. We encourage you to give them the desire and the want and the will to be the safe place to, to instead of standing up and going, man, things are so great and so wonderful and so good, let them just open their arms and say, come abide in my blessing that I'm getting from God for a while. Let me comfort you like you maybe once comforted me. God, we pray for those who have not ever turned their life over to you this morning. We pray for those who are fighting not just against this world and the struggles and challenges, but they're fighting against you today. Help them understand the power in the words of Jesus when he says to believe in me and be baptized and you will be saved. Please allow your spirit to convict them today, God, the same way that those on the day of Pentecost were convicted. Let them ask, what must I do? And help us to show them the same words of Peter, to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And not just for their forgiveness, but also for their ability to receive your spirit as that passage continues to teach. Be with us this week, God. Just give us your strength and your love and your mercy. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Hagleyville, Alabama. 
You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Is inspired.